Get ready, America. This is Declaring Liberty. Hello, my friends. This is Mark Pantano, and welcome once again to Declaring Liberty, the podcast where the Constitution matters, and we give absolutely no quarter whatsoever to stupid people. And speaking of stupid people, let us begin once again with Democrats and really their lunacy, because every day these people go further and further off the deep end. Now they're going on and on and on about reparations. Seems every single presidential candidate on the Democrat side is coming out in support of reparations. Paying, I suppose, all black people in this country money from the treasury, forcing some Americans to pay for other Americans because people who are long dead were once slaves. Is that is that where we're at? This is lunacy. Even if it weren't a stupid proposition on its face, it's completely unworkable. How exactly would this... First of all, do not mistake me here. I am not giving this legitimacy by discussing how it would be implemented. But I do want to take a, a minute and discuss a little bit about how it would be implemented. How would you do this? Who would qualify for reparations? There hasn't been a slave in this country since the Civil War. What we're talking about is forcing some Americans who never owned slaves to pay other Americans who never were slaves because 150 years ago there were slaves. This is ridiculous. So it would be absolutely a nightmare. Think about what the population was in 1864, 1865. What was the population back there? A tiny fraction of what it is now. And most of the people who are here in this country now immigrated to this country after slavery was abolished. My own family... All of them that I am aware of didn't come in he- come into this country until the 1900s or maybe the late 1800s, long after slavery was abolished. None of my family owned slaves, and even if they did, which they didn't, but even if they did, what the hell does that have to do with me? I didn't own any slaves. I never supported slavery, so why should I be forced to pay for something other people did. Even if I have any ancestors who owned slaves, I don't know who the hell they are or were. I never met them. I never got a dime from them. This is ridiculous. And so we're going to, theoretically, we're going to be uh, forcing some dirt poor white guy in Appalachia somewhere to pay money in order to give some rich black person 
money for reparations, for, for compensating him somehow, because some relative of his that he never met was once a slave. That's how this is going to work. You know, what the Democrat Party, with all this focus on race, this constant agitation, picking at the scab, focusing on race, uh, is doing more damage to this country than just about any anything else at this point in time. What is to be gained by constantly bringing up slavery and, and, and reparations or whatever? But they're constantly bringing up slavery in one form or another. Systemic racism because it's... The only systemic racism that exists in this country that I can see is anti-white racism. How are you, How do you have white privilege? What the hell does that even mean? What is my privilege in being a white person? Do I have the privilege of having my race used against me when I apply to go to college? Is that, that the privilege we're talking about? Because... If I'm applying to go to college, being white doesn't help me any. But if you're black, that sure as hell helps you a lot. And what about the privilege of um, having my race used against me when I apply for a job? Doesn't help me at all to be a white guy applying for a job, applying to go to college. And, you know, I'm constantly having my representatives in my federal government constantly lecturing me that I'm the problem because of my skin color and my genitalia. Because I am a white person who has a penis, I am somehow responsible for all of society's ills. And I'm certainly responsible for some guy owning another guy 150 years ago. And I, damn it, I must be made to pay for that. Even though my ancestors at the time were running around the hills of Italy or over there in Ireland or wherever else. But somehow, me, I am responsible. And I must make up for slavery that happened in the United States when none of my family members were here. And even if they were, like I said, who cares? That wasn't me. And guess what? The people would we would be paying under this Ponzi scheme they weren't slaves you want to make things worse you want to continue to pick at the scab and continue on this reparations business thank you Barack Obama for ushering in all this racial division things weren't nearly as bad before that detestable piece of shit got into office he is the one who ginned up all of this. And all of you stupid white people who voted for Obama on the belief that if you voted for him, it would prove to everyone that you're not racist. It just proved that you're an idiot because you just made race relations like a million times worse by voting for that jerk. We've unleashed the racists in this country. We had our racists under control for a long time. It wasn't okay to talk about people's skin color and make judgments about them based on their skin color. Well, no more. We've waved bye-bye to those days long ago, or at least in 2008. Bye-bye. 
because now you better recognize people for their race and you better make decisions about them based on their race and you better treat them accordingly. If that person is white, then they're evil. If that person is any other shade besides white, well, then they're a victim. They're a victim and they're better than you. They're better, they're more compassionate, and uh, they have tolerated your racism long enough. So it's time to give them money. Of course, that's the, that's the solution to everything. Give them money. And, and if we do reparations, uh, are we even? Is the slate clean? Oh, of course not. Of course not. That's not going to make anyone happy. Ten minutes after we pass rep, uh, reparations and hand out the money, uh, people are going to be complaining about how it's not enough. We're going to have media sob stories about how that wasn't enough money. My family was slaves and you only gave me blah, blah, blah. I need more than that. That doesn't even... Where do we go with this? Where do we go with this? And once you open that door of reparations, we're going to be constantly revisiting reparations over and over and over again. And we're going to have this group needs reparations and that group needs reparations and this group didn't get enough and that group got too much and Whitey hasn't paid enough and been made to suffer enough. Reparations isn't enough. Reparations. You know, we fought a civil war to end slavery. Approximately 700,000 people died. A lot of white people's ancestors were killed in a war to free the slaves. Do those families get reparations? Do the progeny of those killed in the Civil War who fought to end slavery, do they get reparations? Of course not. They're white. They have white privilege. They don't need reparations. They have all their white privilege. Where are we going with this, my friends? Where are we going with this? I don't know where we're going, but I can tell you it's no place good. No good can come from any of this. No good at all. And it's only going to get worse. Because we're into Democrat primary, presidential primary season now. And uh, they're just going to keep put, picking at this and picking at this. And uh, speaking of, I'm going to move on. I can't stand talking about all this racist stuff, to be honest with you. I can't stand it. But we have no choice. We have no choice, you see, because we have to talk about race. It's our original sin, don't you know? Slavery, and we all must be made to suffer for it until the end of time. Because there were uh, slave owners back in the day, and there were racists back in the day, uh, we can't just move past that. No, we have to constantly revel in it. We have to constantly throw around accusations of racism, and that debt can never be repaid, and there's white privilege, and there's institutional racism, and blah, 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 blah. Electing a black president wasn't enough, was it? Oh, no. That only showed us how racist we are. Somehow. And reparations won't be enough, and then the thing that comes after that won't be enough. It'll never be enough, because it's not about solving any problem. This is all about Democrats keeping power. 
Getting power and keeping power. And how do they do it? They do it by creating hatred among their disparate interest groups. They, th there's no coherent philosophy. There's no inherent goodness, that's for sure, on the Democrat side. All they have is different groups of people who hate other people. And the way you keep them all in line in voting Democrats is making them all have in common at least one group that they hate, Republicans. So if you take whatever group that each one of these disparate hate groups hate and identify them with the Republican Party, then you can get all your little disparate hate groups to hate the Republican Party and continue voting Democrat. That's what it's about. If we don't have the Democrat base riled up by racism or sexism or homophobia or whatever thing they're supposed to hate and fear and all this crap about Republicans, none of which is true, then what are they going to do? They're going to have to discuss policy? Are they going to have to defend the merits of socialism? Are they going to have to defend the Green New Deal? Oh, we can't do that. No, 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 because they'll look like the fools that they are. We can't have a serious discussion about any of that stuff. So we've got to keep the focus on hatred. Hate those Republicans. Hate them because they're white. Hate them because they're men. Hate them because they're conservative. That's what this is about. And so this won't ever go away. Reparations won't end it. Nothing will end it. And so long as it works, nothing will end it. If they stop winning elections... If they start losing by running on this kind of crap, then it'll end. But unfortunately, our society is sick. It has to be sick because the Democrat Party is the largest political party in the country. And they offer nothing but hatred and racism. So if you have a country whose main political party is the Democrats, then you have a sick country. We have a sick country. Not everybody is sick. There's tens of millions of us who are not. But sadly, I think we are more and more becoming the minority. So this will continue as long as it continues to work. Now, moving on from that, I would like to discuss uh, another, another little thing about the uh, upcoming presidential primary on the Democrat side. Let's talk about uh, Beto O'Rourke. Ass clown. Ass clown. Ass clown. This guy is a full-on buffoon. If this guy were a Republican, he would have been laughed out of the race by now. This guy would have been shredded and destroyed by the media if he were a Republican. He's a walking gaff machine. Uh, he's dumb as a box of rocks. And he's a goofy bastard on top of it. He's a weirdo. There's something wrong with this guy. I mean, you read all about the, the, the poetry. Yeah, it was when he was young, and we were all weirdos to one, or extent, one extent or another when we were young. But I don't know. That is, that's, some weird, that's some weird shit. All the stuff that's come out about him. Um, he, uh, he took poop from his kid's diaper um, because it was green and put it in a bowl and gave it to his wife and tried to pass it off as avocado. I ain't making this up. He was even asked about it and said, oh, well, that sounds like something I would do. Can you... Yes, this is... This is, uh... 
This is the putative front runner or one of the front runners on the Democrat side. Poop in a bowl, giving it to his wife. He's uh he he's he's running around the country in his little caravan, recording himself in a dentist's office, uh, eating dirt in New Mexico because it's supposed to have healing properties or so. This guy is a full-on nut job. But he just won, or won. He just uh, brought in like six million dollars in the first few days of his campaign because the sheep, <laughs> Beto, Beto, <laughs> Lord. How stupid do you have to be? This is what I'm telling you. This country's effed up. Look at all the people they got on this side. They they rushed to just throw money at this guy? This guy hasn't said anything that wasn't a vapid cliche or totally weird. You can't nail him down on a policy. He offers no policy. It's a cult of personality surrounding this guy. And you got clapping seals on over there throwing money at him. These people ever really do become the obvious majority in this country to the point where they are controlling the Congress and controlling the presidency. We are screwed, my friends. We are absolutely screwed. The kinds of people who would vote for Beto O'Rourke, or really any of them on that side, are deranged. Facts don't matter to people. And here's the thing I, I caution Trump voters. 2020 is going to tell us a lot. 2020 is going to tell us if uh, 2016 was sort of a fluke or or not. I am afraid, I am very afraid that it was a fluke. And I'll tell you why. Hillary Clinton was a god-awful candidate. Can we agree on this? She was terrible. Democrats didn't even like her. Democrats didn't even like her. This is not arguable. People didn't like this woman. So when you have a candidate that even most of your own party doesn't like, that's a turnout problem. A lot of people will stay home when they don't really like the candidate. Especially if for months leading up to election day, those people are told over and over and over again that your party's candidate, who you don't really like, is going to win by a landslide. That the other party's candidate has no chance to win. And as you will recall, running up to the November election in 2016, we were told day in and day out for months that Hillary was going to win in a landslide. We were told that every day. Trump had no chance. We were we were being uh, given polling data that showed Trump had zero chance to win. All the political guru forecasters would tell, were telling us that Hillary Clinton's chances at victory were like 98%. Trump had like a 2 or 3% chance to win. That's what we were told. Now, if you are the typical <clears throat> typical lazy Democrat, right? You're in your pajamas until 2 o'clock in the afternoon. You're watching Maury Povich. You know, you don't really want to get out and vote. You want to see who the baby daddy is. You don't want to vote. Now, you don't want Trump to win. You're not crazy about Hillary, but you want Hillary to win. But you're not really jazzed about her. Certainly not jazzed enough to put down the pizza rolls and turn off Maury uh, to go out and stand in line for this hag. And if you're told that she is going to win regardless, she's definitely winning, well, then you're going to say, oh, pfft, 
I don't need to vote anyway. Trump's not going to win. Hillary's going to win. I don't need to get out and vote. I don't really want to vote for her anyway. My vote's not needed. I'm going to sit my fat ass here in my pajamas and watch some Maury. That's what happened, I fear, uh, in millions of lazy Democrat households. Now, I don't, I have no, um, I have no data to back this up, so, so I'm not for sure. I haven't done an analysis of uh, 2016 versus previous elections and all the breakdowns. I'm not, you know, I'm just telling you this is my gut. I don't know that it's true. This is my fear. My fear is that Trump won, especially in states uh, like Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, that we won for the first time in a long time. Now, that wasn't the only reason. There, were the, there was an, you know, an America first, bring back manufacturing jobs, all of that stuff played well in those Rust Belt states. Don't get me wrong. Trump had a big uh, part of his victory for sure. What I'm saying to you is I fear that a part of his victory may have been lazy Democrats staying at home because they weren't jazzed about Hillary and they were told Hillary was going to win anyway so they didn't bother showing up. That is my fear. We're going to see in 2020 if that is the case or not. Because one thing you can say is that Democrats are for sure going to be jazzed up in 2020. I can't imagine them putting any candidate forward um, that even if they're not thrilled, that's going to keep people home. They are so motivated by their hatred for Trump that every Democrat is coming out. And my fear is that a lot of Democrats are going to show up to the polls who stayed home and they're staying home helped Trump win. They're not going to stay home this time. Couple that with the fact that it's been, you know, by the time 2020 rolls around, we're going to have, you know, we will have had four more years of illegal immigration, of uh, the children of illegal immigrants born 18 years ago who are now American citizens and have uh, the right to vote. How many more millions of them have come of age since 2016? and who are going to be able to vote. We've had four more years of indoctrination in our school system, four more years of uh, people reaching the age of 18 who have been indoctrinated in our public schools. How many more millions of left-wing voters are there now that we have created through our public, uh, you know, through our public school system and in our colleges and universities since Trump won in 2016? You add all this together, um, there's I fear there are going to be millions upon millions of new Democrat voters. Now, how many more new Republican voters will be? Will there be? I don't know. I I don't know. We don't have a clear as clear a way of manufacturing, you know, new Republican voters as the leftists do of manufacturing new Democrat voters. We don't have a public school system churning them out. We don't have illegal immigrants having dropping kids here who are now 18 who are going to be voting uh, for Republicans. Yes, some of them will vote for Republicans, but the majority are not going to be voting for Republicans. It's going to be a net plus for Democrats. So where's the Republican constituency that's that will have grown? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. And I don't think that a good economy to the extent we have a good economy and all of those sorts of things 
are going to be enough to persuade enough people uh, who might have voted for a Democrat to vote for Trump instead. You know, it used to be a lot of people who typically vote Democrat will vote for a Republican president who has done a great job on the economy. Ronald Reagan was a perfect example. A lot of Reagan Democrats who always voted Democrat until Reagan came, uh, especially in 84 after he's got the economy back on track, voted, came out and voted for Reagan. We had, we definitely have a contingent of Trump Democrats, like I said, especially in those Rust Belt states. You know, the, the, the manufacturing jobs that have been, have been lost over the last several decades. Trump appealed to them. So there's certainly those voters. But more and more, I think so much of uh, these people are unreachable by appeals to, you know, the practical outcomes of policy. So you're not going to reach a lot of these people by pointing to a good economy. They don't care. They don't care. First of all, if you're, if you're receiving public benefits of one form or another... The economy means shit to you. You don't give a damn. But more and more, think about who makes up the Democrat Party. You know, you always, you always, you know, you get you, the secret to success in presidential elections, the conventional wisdom goes, is that you solidify your base, you get a, as many independents as you can, and you try to peel off moderates in the other party. There are no moderate Democrats anymore. How are you going to reach them? How are you going to peel them off? You're not going to peel them off with appeals to their practical side uh, by pointing out the, that the economy is good and Trump has turned Obama's horrible economy around. They don't care. What motivates them is race and sex and gender and transgender bathrooms and anti-religious bigotry and all of this stuff. All of this social issue stuff that, you know, the, the smart guys in the Republican establishment have been telling us for decades to ignore. Well, that's where they are. That's what motivates them. They don't give a shit about the economy. Not at all. The only economic things they care about are, you know, demanding the minimum wage, demanding paid family leave. And let me tell you something, too, by the way, White House, uh, coming out with this paid family leave, another handout program, you know, taxing me to give money to someone who's not working for whatever reason, why should I be paying for someone else not to work? Why should you be paying for someone else to not to work? Is our debt not big enough? Is our deficit not big enough? But the point is, you're not going to get any of those people by pandering to them with this paid family leave crap that Ivanka wants. That's not going to... Just because they might, they'll take it. Get me? Don't get me wrong. They'll happily take it. But they're not going to start voting for you just because they, they take what you give them. You're not going to get these people. The only way we're going to turn all of this around is we need to cut off this pipeline of new Democrat voters. We've got to get a control over our public education system and our colleges and universities. Nearly every single college and university in this country, including private schools, take tons of federal taxpayer money. Yet they systematically suppress conservative speech and push propaganda on students for the sole purpose of creating Democrat voters. And we tolerate this. And we pay for this. We pay these schools 
to create new voters to come out and vote against our interests. This has to end. There's things we could do about it and absolutely nobody's talking about any of those things. Meanwhile, the pipeline continues. They continue to manufacture new Democrats. And so that's why you have people throwing money at empty suits, nut jobs like Beto O'Rourke. A three-term congressman whose only claim to fame was losing a Senate seat. This guy is the front runner. A guy who was arrested for robbery. A guy who was arrested for DWI. For fleeing the scene of a crime. Hasn't accomplished anything except running for office. Winning three times. Running for office on uh, mommy and daddy and daddy-in-law's money. This is the guy. Talk about white privilege. This guy is an unaccomplished zero. He is a nobody. Yet he's a three-term congressman because he's running on other people's money. White, rich people's money. And yet he is the favorite on the Democrat side. In an age of uh, white privilege, this guy, the ultimate white privilege guy, is uh, leading the pack. Or he's up there among the leaders of the pack. Meanwhile, he's running around pretending he's Hispanic. Beto. Can you imagine a conservative trying to pass himself, fool people, fool gullible people into thinking he's Hispanic by adopting a Spanish nickname? Can you imagine that person? Can you imagine the charges of cultural appropriation and the racism that would be thrown at that guy? But nope. You're a white leftist, that's perfectly fine. The hypocrisy knows no bounds. So, this is where we are. The clown show continues. And we've got, oh, I just saw this John Hickendoofus. He's running for president. John Hickenlooper. That this guy, these guys all have delusions of grandeur. Does this guy really think he's got a shot, John Hickenlooper, I don't think you are legally allowed to win the presidency if your name is Hickenlooper. I don't think it's, I'm pretty sure it's in the Constitution. You can't have a doofus sounding name like that. That's why Pete Buttigieg, Buttapuke, he's got no chance either. You can't, we can't have a president Buttapuke. It's not happening. It's not happening. Another guy with delusions of grandeur. He's some nobody mayor of South Bend, Indiana. You go from mayor of South Bend, Indiana to president of the United States and your name is Buttigieg? Oh, who else we got? Julian Castro. Julian, he's he's all aboard the uh, racist, uh, racist thing. He's, of course, he comes from a family of racists. His wife, Rosie, is a La Raza, I believe, person is it it's Raza or one of those other racial you know racist hispanic groups you know she she hates the alamo she's from san antonio she she hates the alamo um because of the uh white invaders and she wants to burn the alamo down get rid of the alamo uh and so this is uh this is she's the one who got julian and his twin brother joaquin into politics made a name for them because she's this left-wing activist in San Antonio 
And uh, so now, now you've got and Joaquin apparently is going to run for Senate against John Cornyn in I think it's 2020. And so you'll have Joaquin running for Senate in Texas. You have Julian running for vice president, which is what he's doing. He knows he's not going to be elected president. He's running for vice president. And why not? He's Hispanic. If this guy weren't Hispanic, none of us would have ever heard of this nobody. By his own admission, he only got into Stanford and then Harvard because of his ethnicity. The only reason Barack Obama picked him to lead HUD, which he then proceeded to make a mess of, uh, was because of his ethnicity. And now the only reason that this nobody is considered a, t a presidential, is, you know, worthy of the presidency by the media and the Democrat Party is because of his, his ethnicity. And that's the entire basis of his campaign. And that's his appeal to whoever is the eventual nominee for choosing him as his, their vice presidential running mate. That's what he's running for. He's running to be vice president and then president after that. That's his, that's his goal. Again, the fact that we have any of these people being seriously considered as presidential material shows how debased, how superficial, how unserious, how degraded our national politics are. Pete Buttepuke, John Hickendoofus, Beto Assclown, are you kidding me? Julian Castro, what other? Cory Booker? And this guy is out constantly, it seems like he's constantly obsessed with trying to convince people he's not gay. I couldn't care less that he's gay. But if you're gay, just admit that you're gay. Or how about, better yet, don't mention anything about it at all. Because nobody gives a damn. I don't give a damn. Nobody cares that you're gay, you're not gay. Nobody's cares. But every time I see this guy, he's trying to convince people he's not gay. It's ridiculous. Be like Buttepuke. He's openly gay. He's happy to be gay. He's you know, he's married. And so he's not hiding it. Embrace it, Corey. Embrace it. It's okay. It's okay. It's 2019, man. Nobody cares. Let it go. Let it go. Maybe you had a hard time in high school. People gave you a hard time for being gay. Maybe in college. You know, I get it. I understand. But, you know, maybe some therapy sessions. You need to just get past it, man. 2019, nobody cares. All right? Nobody cares. So, who else we got? Oh, Elizabeth Warren. I hope, personally, I hope it's Elizabeth Warren. Because, you know, since Hillary Clinton decided not to run, or so she says, we our chances, our opportunity to relive the 2016 campaign are gone if there's no Hillary. A lot of us were hoping that Hillary would win again, that she'd get the nomination and it would be Trump and Hillary again. We wanted to see that, but it looks like it's not going to happen. So the closest thing we have to that is if Elizabeth Warren gets the nomination. She's just a more annoying version of Hillary, if that's even possible. She is one of the most off-putting individuals I have ever seen in my life. She just, you know, when I see her, and when I, when I hear her, oh, that awful way she talks, the voice, her manner of speaking, that, that arrogant, preachy thing she does. She's like, she reminds me of every obnoxious 
off-putting woman I've ever met in my life all rolled up to, into one human being. That's Elizabeth Warren. And I got to imagine she comes across like that to most people. Again, that's why a lot of people didn't come out and vote for, for Hillary. So I would very much like Elizabeth Warren to win. Of course, and, and then if she's, she's as radical as all the rest of them too. So, But she doesn't, she doesn't sell it very well because she's so off-putting as a human being. You know, some of these other ones... Um, they're not, they're, you know, they're, maybe they're less obnoxious or, or whatever. So their extremism comes off a little better. Uh, it doesn't come, come off too well when it's coming out of the face of Elizabeth Warren. So that would be great if she's the nominee. And, you know, there's about 152 other Democrat candidates at this point in time. I can't remember them all, but I'm, I'm actually looking forward to this. Um, God hope none of them win, but we're going to enjoy the ride covering it because if, if nothing else, they do make for some fabulous entertainment. Now on to gun control and the totalitarian left. This shooting in New Zealand. As you know, the Democrats are, every time, every time there is a shooting, now, not just here, but anywhere in the world, they try to exploit it to push their agenda of gun control. So they jump all over this New England shooting. New England. New Zealand shooting. Right? And, uh, of course, New Zealand already has strict gun control laws. And the uh, pathetic sheep who populate that country have already passed sweeping new gun control legislation where they, you know, they've, they've banned high-capacity magazines, semi-automatic rifles, you know. So this, this is what you do when you are not a free people. This is what you do when you are a feminized, uh, coward population of people. And that's obviously what New, new Zealand is now because they just... They all blame themselves, I guess. Some, some moron, some evil piece of human debris goes and murders a bunch of people. And all these New Zealanders look at themselves and say, Well, my gun in the, in the closet there, that's the problem. That's the problem. We got to ban me from having that gun. Because as long as I have this gun, then people are not safe. So I guess they don't trust themselves. And they don't give a damn about protecting themselves. And so now they are completely reliant, or soon will be, because I guess they, there are still some firearms they can own legally. But soon they'll, they'll legislate those out of existence too. And then they'll all be disarmed. And then they'll all be sitting ducks. And they will be completely reliant upon the government to protect them. And that, of course, is what Democrats in this country want for us. They want us all disarmed. They want to ban, quote-unquote, assault rifles, whatever the hell that means. Okay, we're supposed to be scared by the term, ooh, assault rifles, like they're running around shooting people on their own. And their big push now is because they know they, they're not going to quite get a, a blanket ban on, quote-unquote, assault rifles. But that is, that, is where, that is the real danger, though, folks, before I get to what they're trying to push uh, harder right now. Let me tell you about this assault rifles ban. 
Okay, because it sounds scary, so a lot of idiots go along with it. Well, nobody needs an assault rifle. Nobody needs a weapon of war. So once once you ban, have assault rifle, and of course, once you do this, once you pass law, propose law like this, you, you name it, assault weapons ban, or the uh, Banning Weapons of War Act, or something like that. But you can't just say assault weapons are banned, assault rifles are banned, because assault rifle has no meaning. You have to, in the actual legislation, define specifically what you're talking about. Well, most Americans will never know what you're specifically defining. They'll just hear, assault weapons banned, I'm for that, I don't want assault weapons. But they don't know what the hell assault weapons means. But once you get that assault weapons ban, well, now it becomes so much easier to ban everything else. Because all you have to do is just add amendments to bills. Amendments to bills. You have a spending bill? Just add an amendment to it. You're going to name a national park? Just add an amendment to it. You sneak it in there when nobody notices. And all you do is you expand the definition of assault weapons and see, voila, you don't have to pass a new law. You don't have to come out and, you know, once you've banned assault weapons, you don't have to come out with some new big legislation that everyone has to fight over in order to ban shotguns or handguns or whatever you want to ban. All you got to do is just tweak the, the language, just tweak the definition of that bill that you've already passed. You've already got the assault weapons bill. Now, just tweak the language. Just slip it into a bill that no one's paying attention to and expand the definition. And you can just keep on banning things and banning things and banning things. And no one will ever know until it's too late. And it's too late to do anything about it. That's how they're going to go about this. So that's why they're all for this assault weapons ban. Either they call it an assault weapon or a weapon of war. But what they're really pushing hard right now is universal background check. Another flowery term that, who could oppose that? It's universal background check. We already have background checks. We just need to make it universal. Why should we have loopholes? There shouldn't be loopholes. You've already agreed to background checks. Why won't you close the loopholes? Now, what we're talking about with universal background checks is... Background checks that you would have to go through the federal government to conduct for every single firearm sale in this country. Right now, most private party sales are exempted from the background check. So if, uh, you know, you go out shooting, target shooting or hunting with a neighbor of yours, with a buddy of yours, and, uh, you know, he really likes your gun and you're thinking of getting a new one and... He wants to buy yours, so you sell it to him. Well, right now, you don't have to go to the federal government permission for permission and to pass a background check in order to sell your hunting rifle to your friend. You can just sell it to him. But not so with the universal background check. You're going to have to go to your federal government. And how many more federal employees? How much more bureaucracy are we going to need for that? You're going to have to go to your federal government to conduct a background check in order for you to sell your gun to your friend or to your cousin or to your father-in-law or whatever. Now you can't do anything with respect to the transfer of firearms without getting permission from the federal government. And here's the thing. 
the only way that universal background checks can work is if the federal government has a full accounting of every single firearm in the country. You are going to have to register all of your firearms. Every single purchase will be required to automatically be registered with the federal government. If you already own firearms, you are going to be required to register your firearms with the federal government. They need a record of every single firearm in the country. That way, they can keep track of the transfers. That's the only way to do this. The only way. So, when they say universal background check, what you need to hear is, it will be illegal for you to sell or transfer just to give. You can't even forget money. You, you won't even be able to just to give it. You want to give your gun to your friend? You want to give it to your father-in-law? You want to pass it to your son? You're going to have to have the federal government involved. Any firearm transfer in this country will need the federal government's approval. In order to do that, you need to register every firearm. So we are talking about national registration of all firearms in the country. We're talking about a massive federally uh, federal government controlled firearm registry. And your name's going to be on it and your address is going to be on it. And guess what? It's going to, don't you worry about it, it's going to be made public information. So those mobs of left-wingers can know who's got the guns. That's the world we're moving to. That's what these people want when they're talking about universal background checks. Gun registration. A national gun registry. And why do they want that? Well, that's just the first step towards gun confiscation. Once you know every single person who owns firearms and what kinds of firearms they own... Well, now they can come register, uh, confiscate your firearms. When they tweak that language in the statute to expand the definition of assault weapons after they've passed their, uh, their assault weapons ban and, and they um, make firearms that are currently legal that you have in your gun safe right now, once they make those illegal, well, they will know exactly who has what kinds of firearms. And they can send the police or the federal agents from the uh, bureau, from the ATF over to your house to confiscate your firearms. That's what they want. Gun confiscation. They are prepping the stage for when they control Congress and the presidency and the courts. They are setting the stage for being able to prohibit, make illegal certain firearms and then continuing to add other firearms to that list of prohibited weapons. Cross-checking those prohibited weapons against the National Firearms Database. Finding out who it is who owns those prohibited firearms. And then sending a squad of ATF thugs over your house to confiscate your firearms. And to arrest you if need be. Perhaps they will just say, uh, you are required in the next uh, 90 days to surrender your newly illegal firearm. And if you don't, you're a criminal, we know where you are, and we're just gonna come out and arrest you. So that could be the other way they go about this too. Um, they require you to turn it in. If you don't turn it in, then they send out their thugs to come and arrest you. So that's the uh, future we are moving to. But Mark, they can't do that. There's a second amendment.
There's a Second Amendment. They can't do that. Oh, my ignorant little friend. You really don't know how things work if you don't think they can do that. All it takes is enough votes on the Supreme Court, and your little Second Amendment doesn't mean shit. Doesn't mean shit. And right now, there are at least four votes on the Supreme Court to rule that the Second Amendment does not apply to individuals. It only applies to people actively serving in a state-regulated militia. If you're not actively serving in a state-regulated militia, then you don't have an individual right to keep and bear arms, and the federal government can pass whatever laws against firearms that they want. They could prohibit all private ownership of firearms, order you to turn them in, and arrest your ass if you don't. All it takes is one more vote on the Supreme Court. That's it. So you, if you are holding out hope that this could never happen because we have a Second Amendment, then, um, you know, I've got a big, beautiful bridge I'd like to sell you. And uh, I'll give it to you cheap, too. So call me, hit me up at the website, uh, and I'll sell you the bridge. I've got a bunch of copies of them, too. So no need to hurry. I've got plenty. i got plenty to sell. So what else do we got here? Uh, let me look... Oh, did you hear about the illegal alien who was caught having sex with a cow? Oh, yes. Uh, yes, yes, yes. This happened in Texas, in Star County, Texas. An illegal alien uh, named... What's his name? Ah, what does it matter? Illegal alien guy was uh, caught in the act of uh, doing a cow. You know, because these, these illegal aliens, they are an industrious bunch. You know, they're, they're doing jobs that Americans won't do. That's why they're here in the first place. Because of you lazy Americans. If you lazy Americans would just do these jobs, these illegal aliens wouldn't need to be pouring into this country to do the jobs you won't do. And I guess one of those jobs is uh, nailing cows. Nailing cows. Not enough Americans nailing cows. So uh, this uh, illegal alien... What's his name? Jose Nino, a Mexican national. Imagine that, a Mexican illegal alien. I never heard of such a thing. So yeah, uh, Jose Nino is uh, nailing a cow out there in, um, in Texas. He was arrested. I'm sure he's back on the street by now. He's probably living in uh, housing subsidized by us taxpayers. He's probably got the free health care and probably a monthly stipend while he awaits his deportation hearing five years from now. And then, of course, he's not going to show up and no one's going to look for him anyway. So, you know, nail a cow, you're here to stay. God bless America. Now, one more thing before I wrap it up here. You see that Donna Brazil is uh, now a contributor to Fox News. This is the woman, uh, longtime Democrat operative, um, you know, nasty, conniving, lying woman. Of course, she's a Democrat. She's the one who helped Hillary Clinton cheat on a CNN debate. And she is now rewarded by Fox News because fair and balanced, don't you know? Fair and balanced. Uh, how many of you really even watch Fox News anymore? I don't. I watch very little cable news anymore. I have long since... Uh, been fed up with Fox News. 
The only the only time I watch Fox News is if there's breaking news of some kind or another, and I'm certainly not going to watch CNN or MSNBC or something. So I'll put on Fox News then. Uh, but other than that, the only time I watch Fox News is Tucker Carlson. I do watch Tucker, uh, but that's it. Can't stand any of the rest of them. You know, some of them might be good. I wouldn't know because I don't watch. And so now I, I, I do see Fox News figures on, on social media falling all over themselves, praising the arrival of uh, Donna Brazil. And that just makes, uh, you know, it seals the deal with me. It, it, it makes my decision to uh, not watch Fox except for Tucker's show um, makes me know that that was the right decision. I'm not wasting my time with this shit network. And I've heard good things about, um, what is it, One American News Network. Uh, I don't get it. I don't get it uh, in my area. Hopefully that'll change. But I currently don't get it, so I, I don't bother with any cable news. I pretty much just get everything from from online sources. Plus, I don't just, I don't like, sitting there and waiting for these idiot talking heads to get to the issue I'm there to hear about. Uh, no such uh, wasting of time on the internet. You just go and find what you want. You know, you have your bookmark sites or whatever. Yeah, you can scroll through the news real quick. You know, you, a couple of clicks, you've scanned the news, you know it's out there. You don't got to sit to hear some idiot ramble on and then wait for the next thing they're going to ramble on about. Uh, have to sit through a half hour, 45 minutes, an hour. and No, I'm not doing it. But, you know, Fox News, they keep this up and they're going to they're gonna be indistinguishable from CNN, MSNBC. Because people, people have had it. People have had it and there's other choices. Um, like I said, people don't need to go to these gatekeepers for the news anymore. And many... And many more are, are not doing it. There's a lot of people like me who aren't gonna aren't gonna sit through this crap. And you know, I get having the two sides represented on your programming. That's good. Uh, but when you 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 rub it in our face, you know, people like Donna Brazil. This is a this is a nasty woman. Uh, she puts on the aw shucks thing, but she is a nasty political operative. And she's got a long track record of it. She disseminates lies. She helps people cheat in televised debates. What, is, what are you giving her a platform for? So Fox News continues to uh, dig its grave. Which is good for people like me. Because you know more and more people are going to seek out alternative news, uh, news sources. Alternative uh, sources for political commentary. And they're going to turn to people like me. Because, honestly, where else would you go? I should be number one on everyone's list. And speaking of being number one on everyone's list, help me promote the podcast. I would uh, be deeply in your debt if you would help me do that. Leave positive reviews on whatever platforms you uh, listen to the podcast on. If you have nothing good to say, well then, why don't you just um, keep that to yourself? Nobody wants to hear that. Nobody wants to hear that at all. You're not helping anyone. But thank you. Seriously, though, thank you for listening to today's show. Um, oh, and if you want uh, to help support the show, listen to bonus podcast episodes that aren't available anywhere else, go over to patreon.com slash markpantano, and you could sign up over there for as little as five bucks a month. So that's it. I'm out of here. 
Thank you so much for listening. And remember, continue to fight the left like your freedom depends on it. Because it does.